<laughs> oh, yeah. I know that tune. <laughs> <laughs> you do know that tune. What's happening, everybody? We're back. It's another episode of the Music Guy podcast. My name's Al Rowe. I'm a music guy. I make records. I write songs. I sing. I play guitar. I teach. I do a bunch of stuff in the music biz. Uh, coming at you all the way from Liberty Village, downtown Toronto. My co-host... Coming at you from Whitby, guitarist, backup vocalist, composer, music educator, Mr. Michael Hebs. What's happening, my friend? You know, just trying to get my computer to cooperate. That's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like a day-to-day reality for everybody yeah. in, uh, yeah. in, yeah. In, in, in the new abnormal. Have you ever heard, have you heard somebody say that yet? I finally fixed my phone, though. Remember how I was saying that Instagram didn't work? Fix that shit. Oh, yeah. Just had to now reinstall everything. So it <laughs> didn't cost me no money either. I <laughs> uh, waste my time on social networks. Our special guest, uh, guitarist, vocalist, artist, songwriter. General nice guy. General great guy. <laughs> produced my EP, uh-huh. which, of which, uh, you know, that title music is, is, uh, is from that EP. Um, Mr. Tom Hanley coming at you from... The West End of Toronto. What's up, man? Not much, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. This is actually my first podcast I've ever done. Hey, that's not bad. You know, uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. You were another one of uh, the people where when we decided to start doing this, you were in the front of my mind of like, this is somebody I want to get on. This is somebody I want to chat with. Yeah, so, well, it's nice yeah, to nice yeah. to finally be on and uh, to chat with you guys. I haven't seen you, Mike, in a while. I guess, I guess oh, it's dude. been like... A month or two, but yeah, it's, it's nice uh, to nice to connect. It'll probably be even longer before we actually see each other in person. <laughs> uh, Judging by yeah. how many cases yeah. there are in Ontario right uh, now, yeah. You guys, I guess, did you guys hear the number? I, I no. yesterday it, it was almost five hundred. Right? Is it six six six? It's seven hundo. It's seven hundo today or something like that. Oh geez, that's eh. bad news. We're going dark, baby. That's not- that's not uh, good. The apocalypse is coming, and I'm fucking ready. Ugh, yeah. I am not ready. <laughs> I'm the Alex Jones of this podcast, guys. <laughs> Decided it. I keep on talking about right-wing people. I'm not a right-wing person. I'm just kind of in the center. I'm just talking shit. This is where Fair I Yeah, I mean, there's a pattern of behavior that's emerging here. That's exactly it. Well, <laughs> I'd vote yeah. for Kanye. That, that, would, be, that would be that. <laughs> yeah, yeah they do a great job. Um, so just to give like folks an idea of, uh, Tom, what your sound is and what your, uh, music's all about. I just thought we'd just play a little clip of something that you're working on. You, you haven't released your record yet per se, but we're going to give people a little, little peek at a song. Can you just tell us sure. a little bit about the song? Yeah. This tune that, uh, we are about to play is, uh, it's called short on love. Uh, I don't, I think Al, you've heard this tune before. Um, mm. it's basically like I wrote it with my buddy, Nick, who, uh, who is the engineer for your EP. Well, one of them. And, uh, it's kind of just about, um, being in a relationship or like trying to be in a relationship with kind of modern technology and how like that's kind of changed everybody's perspective on dating and, and trying to get into it and how, even though we're so connected via you know, all these social media platforms were kind of uh, like, I think our generation is one of the loneliest because of that. Right. So it sort of addresses that sort of feeling and, 
It's a, it's like kind of covers that vibe. You know what I mean? Tinder makes you lonely. It's what you should yeah. call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Makes you feel shitty about yourself. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I dig it, man. Okay, great. So, yeah, let's listen to a bit of that right now. This is Short on Love by Tom Hanley. I don't make you happy And you don't really know me But I don't think about that when all I am is lonely Cause you know I'll be there Staring at my phone This game's unfair Cause no one wants to be alone Cause when you show So that was Short on Love by Tom Haley. Really looking forward to that record coming out. Mm-hmm. I was at the, uh, was it a, would you call it a CD release party? I guess not, because the CD didn't get released. But no, like, no. you did have a show. Um, I was there be- too. Sort of before the, yeah. the, the, the lockdown. That's true. Yeah, we were all there. Yeah, yeah that was like Hell almost a, a year ago now. <laughs> okay. Doesn't feel yeah. like that. But yeah, yeah. It was just like, um, 
I don't know. As you know, Al and and Mike, it's like uh, sh- setting deadlines, especially like you know being an artist. It's really tough to you're your own boss, right? So you like put stuff out unless you're like signed to a label and they're pushing you to get something out. It's like you have to set yourself up to 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 finish something, right? So if you book yeah. a date a couple months in advance, it's like this is booked. My musicians are booked, and I have to finish this by this point. So like. That was a really good uh, good deadline to just like get the live show off the ground and get a bunch of demos finished and just have like songs that are sort of seventy five percent done, just like bring it to the finish line, right? And that's like I think what creative people are always so bad at is like actually finishing it and being like having the thing that you can you can showcase or you can put a live show on and just like this song is done. And uh, here it is, right? Being able to showcase that. So that was a really good experience to do that. So did you play this at the at the show? Yeah, yeah. We've okay. we've had this tune. So I have heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like one of the one of the first tunes. So we've had it done for a while. And uh, you know, like I've had some plans to start putting out tunes right as COVID hit. Like actually, like the Releasing. the day that COVID started we were shooting a video in my apartment with the boys like Rich and Mark were doing it. And Todd Penny, who I think played on your record, Al was, we were all, we were all doing a video in like my living room, just sort of like a, like a small thing. And, uh, our videographer, um, his, uh, he, he he was like worried about the pandemic because it was just, it just started about social distancing and everything was closing down. So luckily he was like, okay, I'll do this video. And I'll show up just because, you know, it was like the, the first day of it happening. But we were almost like everybody was setting up and Fote had all the mics set up. and We were about to track and we're like, oh, my God, we might not be able to even do this right now. So it was like yeah, so that was sort of the plan was like rolling stuff out at that point. But once pandemic hit and even like with the Black Lives Matter thing, I was just sort of like, I don't sure. Yeah, I don't feel like yeah. it's important for me to be putting stuff out. And it was like, you know, it was a really good time to be able to start creating new new music and, and yeah. focus on developing as an artist. So, like, I have these tunes in the bank. And I'm, you know, I'm developing a plan that probably in a month or two I'm going to start rolling out tracks and uh, and then start working on the next batch of songs. But it's just been, you know, I feel like with a lot of people, this whole quarantine thing has really put a lot of things on hold. So that's kind of what happened with me. Yeah. Yeah, sense. or shifted uh, focus to to things that you maybe didn't have time for before. Totally, uh, the lockdowns hit. Totally, man. Like yeah. and like that's that's been like such a you know obviously like f- with all the bad things that have have happened to musicians during this lockdown. Like I think there's also been a lot of positives. Like, and I'm sure you guys have you know talked with people about this. Is like how reflective it's been about like you know how often we live in these these loops and we're so this is my life and this is what i do like for example with uh with al al and i play in stereo flavor which is a wedding events band that you've featured a couple times in the podcast it's like this is just like you know i play weddings on the weekends and this is like a large part of my income and you know this is how i make this is how i make music and this is how i perform and then totally that just being like you know, from 50 gigs in a year to, to one or two, it's like, whoa, okay. Like it's sort of taking your life and, and pouring it upside down and having to adapt. And, uh, 
it's been really, you know, it's been a really formative six months because I've just like been diving into production and video editing and writing and all that stuff. Because it's like, I think as as creative musicians, you're always kind of like waiting for that opportunity to be able to like, oh man, if I only had the time to do this, I would do it. Yeah. And now you and now you have the time, and it's like, well, are you going to do it? Or are you going to be a piece of shit and like, I don't know, fucking <laughs> watch The Office again? Right, so a little bit of column A, yeah. a little bit of column A. Yeah, exactly. And we all do that, right? Yeah. Like, and that's like a, that's yeah, totally yeah. normal thing. But it's like, like you're saying, like trying to just develop a routine and be a little bit more diligent about being creative and like looking at that as you know, you're not about to show up on a, a on a gig and not know the songs because like you're gonna look like a total idiot, right? But like with being a creative musician or writing songs, it's like. Oh well, like it's it's my stuff, so I can put it on the back burner. And oh, I haven't finished the second verse because whatever, no one's on me about that. So it's just trying to develop that has been mm-hmm. really has been really mm-hmm. good for me, at least. I think you hit on it sort of off the top, even talking about your release party. It's like once you involve others, yeah, that's when the accountability is there, and that's where the deadlines are there. So that's one of the big difficulties of. The pandemic in a in a whole other way is like yeah we've got all this time now I can focus on my original stuff but I can't involve others at least in the traditional sense that I'm used to therefore you run into the same old problems of all oh, the deadlines just slipping away and the and the time just slipping away have you found yeah. any like good techniques to combat that uh, sort of force sure um, like for for the writing side of it. Um, like I, I've done a no. bunch of like Zoom writing sessions, Uh-oh. and I know like we've been trying to book I'm one with so Nick recently. But yeah, like you, you've been doing that too, oh, Mike. Like just wait. like trying to get sessions. Just like as long as you have it booked, like we're gonna show up on Zoom at noon on Wednesday, sure. right? And then like and like Google Docs, it's actually been really great because it's like. You know, like with every writing session, there's like a large part of it is you show up, you hang, you catch up, and like. You know, there's maybe an hour sort of spent just doing that. And, like, that's one of my favorite parts of doing a session is, like, you know, the interacting of it. But at least on Zoom, you're kind yeah. of, like, you, you you don't catch up for an hour when you're talking on online, right? Like, you just sort of get to the get to the nitty-gritty quicker. And, like, just by booking a session and, like, um, what I've found is, let's say you're writing with someone consistently, it's, like, you want to just be like, okay, like when's the next time we're going to do this? When you're finishing, like rather than signing off and like, oh, I'll send you an email, sure. we'll figure out some dates. It's like, let's just put this in the calendar. We can both do this. Let's just do that. And so it's just in there mm-hmm. and like, you know, like you're, you're and, and don't bail. Like even if you don't have anything ready, like I know I'm like a guy who likes to have a song like halfway done because, you know, you want to be like able to to run with something. But even if you don't have anything ready, like, that's a good deadline to like, okay, like I have to spend half an hour before this session trying to write something. Even if it sucks, I have like a melody or like this is a lyric I have. And then you go in and then you yeah. just try and build on that. And then you're then you're working on that ability of like going into a session with nothing and hopefully having a little bit when you leave, right? And like that's also something that we all need to practice, right? Oh, I'm so bad at songwriting. So I need to practice it's it tough, all. man. It's it's yeah. it's hard. Like it's the thing that I always say about songwriting is it's like you know coming from like the same thing with you is like coming from like a guitar player. You're always like 
oh, this is a cool thing that I'm doing or like this is something that I'm working on that you try and like shoehorn into a song or a solo that you're you're composing or you're writing or whatever. And with like with writing a tune, it's like everyone understands lyrics, right? Like you can write a song and like someone who doesn't know anything about music can be like, oh, like I understand what you're saying or like, wow, that's really cheesy. Like even like a person who doesn't play at all can just say like, those lyrics are bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no one's going to say like, <laughs> oh, that riff is terrible because it's like, you know, there's so yeah. many, you know, like there's so many benchmarks for what makes a cool riff or whatever. But like lyrics are a really tough thing to get right. It's 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 hard. It takes a long time. Bridging the wire. Yeah. I suck. <clears throat> well, I, but I mean, think about it this way though. Like in order to get, in order to become like a great player, you have mm-hmm. to do gigs, right? Like yeah. Yeah. practicing by yourself is not enough, right? So if you're thinking about songwriting in that sense as an actual craft and like a muscle that you're working on, then getting yourself into sessions with other people, you're going to be thrown into the fire and you're going to learn from others osmosis style the same way you would on a show, right? Totally. I mean, I think like if if it's it, if it is something that you truly value and want to get better at, it's like throw yourself into the fire. Like a great example is, uh, is Mark actually Mark Rinkin, mm-hmm. who's been on the show. a number uh, friend of the show while back friend of the show, <laughs> member of the agenda, but like Mark is always, he always wants to be at the writing session. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm. And like, that's because now you're, you know, you're developing a new, um, like a new skill, you know, um, in terms of like lyrics or, or what, what have you. Right. So, so sort of throwing yourself into that fire and being a part of that process, I think is, is how you're going to develop that. Uh, totally. Yeah. Totally. And like, and Mark, as we all know, is like a very, you know, a prime example of throwing yourself into the fire and like every moment you can, right. Like he's taking on, I remember cause like Mark and I lived together for a year and, uh, and like there's one week where he was just like or like maybe more like a month he just got back from Indonesia so he like you know like played for 2 weeks in like a totally different time zone came home had to learn like 40 songs for some bar gig then had to do some other gig like he was like uh, he was like a husk of a man right like he was just but he, you know cuz he was just he was like he was learning and he was like just trying to keep his head above water and like Mark and I really yeah. came up together, like playing, like my first sort of paid gigs were all with Mark and just seeing that development of like consistently going like, you know, going out of your comfort zone and learning Indian music and learning reggae and learning Latin music and then just trying to play it, you know, at a professional level is like not an easy thing to do. And it's, yeah, it's like exactly what you're saying mm-hmm. is sort of. Um, when you when you have these situations where you feel like you're not qualified to be there, but like still just saying, okay, like I'll I'll try and do it, and I'll I'll show up, and you know, like it, like your, your expectations, you can't you can't expect to be a pro at, like right off the bat, but you can expect to like to grow from that, and that's a really good example of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. gotta be willing to yeah, yeah. Uh, put yourself out there and kind mm-hmm. of be sh- like shit, you know, <laughs> like yeah, flat on yeah. your face. Like, treat it as a free lesson. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, don't think about it as, like, a self-worth thing. Just be like, I'm here to, like, absorb something if you feel that you're really not qualified. 
Uh, Mark's birthday yesterday, by the way. So happy birthday! Oh shit! <laughs> shout yeah. out! To, shout out to Marky. Yeah, um, Mark. Member uh, of the agenda. Show, yeah. <laughs> friend of the show. Yeah, well, that's that's kind of like um, even the session on Saturday. It was Saturday, right? Like uh, at Will's place. It was like you know I, I brought my amp, but it was just sort of like I, I showed up more for the hang, just to see how. You know, you guys make music differently than I do. You know, like your your sure. your band approach, your band approach. Like you're all in there, sort of like, um, sh- like when Will was doing that solo, it's like, okay, like now you should try this, and like, and and Rich has some stuff to say, Mark has some stuff to say, and you're all in the room, dialing in a tone, and it's and even like just working via Pro Tools versus Ableton, it's like a different, it's a different beast, right? And it's like. It's just really cool to be a part of that and like, oh, okay, like seeing Will's, what is it, like the two, is it two sound or two tone, that like box that he's using to record out of the amp? Two tone, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really cool. Like it's just like, it's cool. you know, you just never know even dudes that you've played with a ton, like, or like are good friends with like all of us, we know each other for years. It's just like, wow, okay, this is a different approach and like sort of taking that into your own, your own workflow. It's really cool. Yeah. I mean, Session was mostly just us chirping each other, but yeah, about <laughs> subway sandwiches. <laughs> That's great, though. But it's also about the hang, too, right? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. It, it it was fun to have you there too, man. Like you, you had a lot of great ideas, and uh, the deluxe sounded awesome. So yeah, and that's the oh. um, the two. What's it called, Mike? Is it two notes? Captor X or something? Yeah, I yeah, want to ch- like definitely want to check that out. Cab sim. So did you guys record a direct signal um, as well, or did you just record? No, we just took the line out of the, the cap direct. So it's like a load box for yeah. any gear nerds out there. So like it, it you take your speaker out of, of your head or of your, like um, I guess, amp part of your amp. Yeah. So it doesn't actually go to your amp's speaker or to your cabinet or whatever. It just goes straight to this... Uh, this load box, which I guess can take on the the electrical intensity of the of the amp or whatever, and then convert it into uh, just like a direct signal. It actually does a great job of yeah capturing the amp's tone, and then it's got speaker simulation and and you can and stuff. choose so it's cool like to work with that. two mics, right? Like you can be like, oh, yeah. this is that mic. You can change the position of the mic and like the angle of the mic. So and then you just recorded what it was ending essentially. So it was like if you mm-hmm. know the mic's here and that mic's there, that's what you're getting. That's what you're getting. Yeah. Cool. yeah so cool. it was like another way of putting it would be like it's like a Kemper or like a like a Helix without the uh the amp sims. It's a right? little it's bit realer, I guess. It does the cab stuff, it does the IRs, it does yeah. the the mic placement in the room sound and it's got reverbs and stuff in it too. It was uh yeah, it was it was pretty rad, man. And it was like nice to to capture the sound and then not be like, all right, now I can tweak it further. It's like, no, it's just, here's what we got. And, yeah. uh, and we're going to, that's work. cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, man. So, so Tom, I mean like you're in my eyes, at least like the archetypical, like I'm the artist that's sort of managing my own career. I'm my own boss. I'm organizing my time. I'm, I've got a huge skill set. Um, you know, I've, I've, I have to like figure out how I'm going to finance things, how I'm going to, um, sure. you know, uh, utilize those skills, and, and, and then where do I need to bring in others, and where do I? So I, I, I find all that really fascinating, and I just want to get your take 
because we've had so many conversations in the past about how I think like artists want to, uh, you know, skip rungs of the ladder or like jump to the finish line as quickly as possible. I'm going to get the best producer. I'm going to get the best, most expensive, uh, you know, gear or most expensive studio, most expensive band or what have you. Um, and then, you know, they, they, they burn themselves out or at least run that risk. You know, if you do that with everything too, uh, it's like, Oh man, I'm just, instead of learning how to write a song, I'm just going to write with the best writers, you know? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, this is like a a huge topic, (laughs) but I'm wondering if you can sort of give us your, your perspective on sort of, of how you sort of manage your career and, and, uh, and and what's working for you. Yeah. Sure. So Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it's, that's like a huge, (laughs) <laughs> a huge a, a huge topic for for succeed? anyone who's who's creative who's creative and like if i knew how to succeed i wouldn't be living in a, an apartment above a coffee shop but um so like i, I think a huge part like especially what you're saying about like skipping rungs and stuff like that is like you know through because like, i mean i've been writing music for for years and years like since i was in i don't know like probably started writing music when I was like say 15 or like had a band when I was 14 Mm. right like and like not to say that's like good stuff at all it's just been like you know I've I've always wanted to do my own thing and uh and like when I was you know when I was in Humber I had like a, a band called Juice and we like we did the whole like rehearse twice a week and put out a record and a couple EPs and played like 300 shows and like did did like a bunch of stuff and Um, you know, like, uh, I think like my biggest shortcoming in that stage in my career was like, you know, it, it it was, I was focused on like making like a cool band with like flashy instrumentals and like trying to impress other people, like impress other musicians. And like, and and I'm sure we've all seen that with like a younger band. It's their, they're overplaying and they're overwriting and they're trying to be more complicated for the sake of being complicated. And what I've learned in the last, I don't know, say like three years of sort of going in my own direction is how important like being your own product is, right? Like as an artist, your producer is not your product, your like your graphics, your video, I guess is like technically your product, but the biggest selling thing for you is like you as a person and you as an artist, and what makes you unique and what makes you like, you know, what are your tendencies and what like, what do you really like? It's not like, oh, this is really cool right now. Oh, I like this. It's like, no, like, what did you grow up listening to? What do you like listen to the car in the car? And you're like, oh, my God, this is so dope. And it might not necessarily be cool, right? Like to what other people think is cool. And like really focusing in on that and discovering that. And then on top of that, like putting in time like um i i see that a lot is you'll see people like you were saying al like going to metalworks or going to revolution and like hiring these producers who have made a hit or songwriters who have made a hit but like to to them you are kind of like you know if you don't already have good songs you're kind of like this oh well you're gonna pay me money like you're a jobbing gig to me right for the people who are on the creative side Mm -hmm. of that right and they'll do their best but if you're not a standalone like good writer and like you know there's arguments of like are you a good singer right like 
some people argue like, well, you don't have to be a good singer to be a good artist. And, you know, that's, that's an argument I actually recently just had with China is like, where's the, where's the line of like, can you pull it off live versus you can't? Cause there's some really great recording artists and not great live artists. So it's like, it's sort mm. of finding that in your own art and then, and then like really working on that. Like all the best songwriters you hear, like, you know, that Eagles documentary where Jackson Brown was teaching, was it Glenn Fry of like, you know, he'd get up at 9 a.m. and mm-hmm. he'd write for four hours a day. Like that is like, that's a real thing. And like the production thing I find is like a huge thing as well because a lot of great songwriters, you know, they'll, they'll team up with a producer that like puts them in, in a vein that's like not what they are and not what they want to be. And by shedding your production stuff, like, you know, for me, I'm not like, I have a goal of eventually being able to like put out something that's like, you know, top quality by myself. But at this point, I'm just sort of looking at it as like, I can get my song sounding as close to the way that I want it to sound by myself without having to like have other people's um, input and having to rely on other people. Cause like, especially with the quarantine, like we've all been saying, it's like relying on a producer, relying on someone else to do your mixing. Like we, we've all heard those stories of um, a band gives their tracks to a mixing engineer and he takes six months to finish it. Or like, you're hounding this producer because you don't have the money. So they're doing you a favor and they're like doing it. You know, they're try they're, they're working on your stuff once a week, which is like, if you want to make an amazing record, working on music once a week is not going to happen. Right. Like if you look at mm-hmm. the great records that you love that are timeless, like something like, I mean, this is a huge one, but like, think of like how long thriller took to do with the amount of people who were involved in that and the talent and the time and like, the budget. If you want to make anything that's like, obviously that's a, you know, one in a million record or it's one a in a billion. pretty high bar. Yeah, totally. And like, that's, but I mean, like as an artist, I feel like, you know, it, you know, you should be striving to, to hit things. Sure. At least striving to, you know, like that's, it's a, it's, 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 it's like shooting for the moon, but you know, when, whenever you're putting something out, it's it should be special and it should be like your best work that you've done and like really caring about that and really like you, know, you hear about all these these artists who started and spent years working on their first record and like um I've been doing like a lot more reading lately and like a book that just like really really knocked me off my feet was a, a, a book called All the Light We Cannot See I don't know if you guys have read that but it's no. um this 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 it's like a story of World War II and like two two kids who sort of grew up through it. Um, the author's name is Anthony Dewar or Doer. I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but he took ten years writing that book. Right, like that's and it's amazing. It's an amazing book, but he took ten years. Right, and like it just sort of gives you perspective of like really really quality art takes a really long time and. And like, I'm sure there are lots of people who would like, well, I did a great record in six months and whatever, but like, at least for me, what I've been finding is like, just sort of, sort of staying the path and like having faith that if you keep working hard at something and like keep digging deeper into something, um, your results are going to keep getting better and better. Like I saw this interview with Ed Sheeran and people might have mixed opinions on Ed Sheeran of, you know, he's not cool or he's cheesy or whatever, but like the guy has written 
so many hit songs and is like a household name yeah. and is extremely talented. And he's like, he, you know, he said the same thing. He's like, you know, you got to write a thousand songs, you got to play a thousand gigs. And it's like turning on a tap that's running like kind of dirty water. And you just have to keep running it until the clean stuff starts coming out. And it's like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. like a, that's a huge part of the process is, is like putting in the time and like really sharpening your craft and like developing your own voice. Like we've all heard, we've all heard records that come out. And especially like Mark has talked about this a lot in the country scene about, you know, this person is, it sounds like this record that was a hit two years ago. You know, it's like, we're chasing these fads or like, oh, this is popular. Let's do this again. But like the real great music and the real artists that like, stand the test of time are people who are innovating and are like really developing their own voice. And like, it's a really interesting thing when you see and you study records that you really love that, you know, you start researching how long it took and, and, and what it took to get them to that level. And it's always a lot of time and a lot of work, right? It's like a lot of effort. It's not just show up and be like, I got this song guys. Uh, let's, uh, let's, uh, you know, roll a take and uh, see how it goes. And, and I mean, like, that's a vibe too. Like, and not to say yeah. that that's not, that's not the right way to do it. Cause there've been like music back in the day. You heard about those like amazing session musicians, like the wrecking crew. I don't know if you guys have seen that documentary of like those dudes from LA and, and girls from LA. Really cool. And, and it's this one, uh, it's one player, I forget what her name was, but she played bass on uh, good vibrations. You know, the beach boys tune. Carol K. Sorry, what? Carol K. Carol K. Um, Carol Baskin. Maybe that's that Carol that. Baskin. Carol Baskin. Is that her? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I don't know. No, but she's she, uh, a girl from the Tiger King. She's a joke. She. Uh, <laughs> oh. She. She Have sold you seen the Tiger King. She sold that pick for one hundred fifty thousand dollars. I haven't seen it. No. Uh, she sold one of her picks for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. So she like. Basically, it was like the, the the pick that played that baseline, the walk baseline of that. She sold for 150k. But like in that in that day and age, that's what that's how they made those tunes. Is like they do a couple takes, yeah. and I guess Nashville is the same thing. So, I mean, yeah. it's just for me, I've been finding like obviously you get faster, and the more you do it, you know, a song that would take you a month to do now you can do it in two weeks and then hopefully it and eventually yeah. it'll be a couple days or whatever. But um yeah, it's just time and like and striving to get something that seems more interesting and, and, and is more honest to the music rather than sort of fitting in your comfort zone, right? Like we all have those those riffs or those licks that we just know will work. And it's like, okay, like maybe we can yeah. try something that pushes it a little bit more. And, and you're going to fall on your face a lot. Like I've had to do tunes like, all, yeah, like I'm sure you guys have this too, where you'll have like a session and it's like title of the track version one, title of the track version two, like, like just like approaching it again and doing like six versions of the same song. And eventually you find something cool, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, that's like, that's yeah. scraping the surface on that question. I love what you said earlier. Your producer is not your product. Yeah. You know, and it's just like that, man, that was so good. It's like, yeah, if the best thing about your record or your song is like the producer that made it and like the person, the other person that wrote it or whatever, it's like 
you're what like are you're you? kind of putting out like a shell of a yeah. of a thing, right? Like, is it really your thing at that point? And I mean, that's a that's a that'd be an interesting discussion to just sort of have because there are obviously lots of very famous artists that are playing songs that other people wrote and are working with really dope producers, but then they have something like you said, like that that uniqueness, that sound or that level of talent or what have you, there's still something there where it's just like, this is undeniably them. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, there's, there's so many artists who like, who, who like, you know, maybe are in a genre that like you don't necessarily like, or, you know, like for me, I'm, you know, like listening to sort of modern trap and stuff like that. Like, I'm like, I don't understand it a lot. And there's some stuff that I'm like, I remember um, we do this month or not monthly. We do this yearly show in Uxbridge, and the crazy thing about that, I think Al, I think you've been to that one year, um, the Christmas show, is like mm-hmm. when I when I started Wixons it, Bridge? yeah, Wix, Wixon's Bridge. And when I started it, I was like nineteen or twenty, right? So like, what we were listening to was like mm. what was popular for people at that age, and as we move on. Now, like, I think the last one, we won't be doing it this year, but say last year, um, you know, we have a playlist that we put on, but the majority of like the, the, the kids who start coming out are now like 19 and 20. So there's like a 10 year age difference and like what they're listening to and what they're like really reacting to is very different than what I'm into. And like, you know, it's, it's easy for sort of, you know, old guys like us to be like oh what the fuck is that like uh i don't like it but it's also like yeah and and like you got to catch yourself and like and try and and try and see like okay like what are these artists doing and there's always going to be you know there's always going to be flavor of the week artists and like bands like when we were growing up think of how many of those like one hit wonder bands that were copying some 41 or copying like third eye blind, whatever. Like they were just like copying these, like exactly. Yeah. Like they were just a copy and they had success and they had like two or three hits and then nothing. Right. And it's, I mean that that's going to exist too. The lyrics to, if you get down on me, uh, are not timeless. Then <laughs> I, I, we can't, we can't agree on anything. You know, like if you, if you play that at a wedding now, it'll go over. Like that'll hit at like 1am. If you play that on a wedding, people are going to sing along. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still, it still has some, some legs, but you know what I mean? Like, but like there are, <laughs> there are lots of artists that are, that are doing like, that are doing stuff that might not make sense to us, but it really connects with younger generation and like, yeah, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta, and maybe it's not virtuosic or maybe their range isn't good or whatever, but maybe like what they're saying is really honest or like the production yeah. that they've discovered is really cool. Like I remember um, when the weekend first sort of broke in Toronto, we were like probably second or third year at Humber. He was hanging out with a few dudes that I went to Humber with. So he like came to parties at our, our house and like, he seemed like super cocky and I was like, who is this guy? And like, you think he's lying about what he says. Right. But it was just like, he found this thing. Like he was writing with all these different producers and he was like working a ton and he found this producer that they like really jived and they created something that was really unique to them. And it blew up. Like, I mean, him being, you know, um, with like sort of friends with Drake really helped and he was like right place and like was working really hard, but it was like really interesting yeah. to see this sort of style of music that I wasn't into at the time, just like 
blow up. And now he's one of the biggest artists in the world. So it's like really cool to yeah. mm-hmm. to see. And he's totally like people can say, oh, he's not as good live or whatever. But like you can't deny that that guy has a huge hand in the way he sounds and like his career choices. Like he's been driving that bus ever like since the beginning, since he was a kid. Right. So you see these people who find like, real success and it's it's like that. Also, too, like if you if you don't get a type of music like that's like your problem too you know like i haven't listened to Mm -hmm. a lot of trap music and it's like you know like it kind of stresses me out because i'm like i don't i don't necessarily get that music as much as i should and like it it you should like be able to appreciate the music and if you don't it's like you have to figure out how to because if so many people appreciate it then it can't be wrong you know yeah like it's the same with like death metal and shit like i don't get it you know, except for, I don't know if Meshuggah's death metal, Meshuggah's the shit, but, um, but like, you know, I don't get what people see in it and that's kind of my problem, you know, like that's only going to affect me negatively and to be like, well, that music is just garbage because I don't understand it. It's like super fucking, I don't even totally. know what the it's word like, is for it, but it's not good. It, it's like, um, you know, <laughs> like, like we've all probably been discovering like white privilege and like. I heard this quote yeah. of like cult- culture is something that other people have, not us, right? And it's like, well, no, that's not true. It's just like we're not aware of their differences, right? And it's the same thing with music. It's like, you know, just because you don't understand something or you're not, you know, you're not well versed in it does not make it invalid. It just makes you ignorant of that yep. music. And that's totally cool, right? Yep. Like and like and sometimes it's like you need to experience it live. Like for example, I'm I'm sort of on in the same boat as you with like death metal or like even just sort of heavy metal. I've never been I know I didn't really grow up on it as much. And like going to concerts, like I went to Lamb of God and Slipknot with Mark like a few years ago. There and it was great. Go. Like it was Sweet. just like you get the vibe when you're there in the room and you're like, Oh, this makes a lot of sense. And maybe maybe I'm not gonna like buy a slipknot record or something and, and spin it at home. But you sort of you get the vibe of it, and you understand what people see in it. So it was definitely cool. This is a, a side note. Do you, do you listen to a lot of records at home? Uh yeah, I try to. <laughs> I need to listen to more music, man. That that's so cool. So you sort of just like sit down and listen, and like, or do you like listen while you're doing stuff? Yeah, like a so. Call I mean, a little bit of call and be. Yeah, like I, I'm the same way. Yeah. I'd like to listen to more music, like, and especially you yeah. know, as us as producers and and stuff, like Mark. Um, we were coming home from a gig recently and he spun the little dragon record, the new one. And, uh, and, and it's just like, you know, you kind of forget like how little, you know, until you hear a record that's made by like, you know, it's one of those records that's just like, holy crap, like how did they make this? And then you sort of like dive into that and that's going to change your, you know, your perspective at producing and like give you ideas and like, oh, I should try this like vocal thing or, or synth idea or percussion idea or whatever. And uh, so yeah. it's definitely important. I, I'm the same way. I'm guilty. I need to be listening to more music. But um, so to produce, like the big thing is like generating ideas. That's like a huge thing for me is like try and you're playing like, you know, I kind of look at it as like, here's the verse, the pre-chorus, the chorus. And like, let's try and yeah, we've got the chords sort of laid out. Let's try a drum beat. Let's try let's try writing with a bass. Let's try writing with a guitar until you start like figuring out how the song's gonna move and like 
when yeah. you've spent half an hour trying to come up with a baseline, it's not working. Like, let's try something on synth or let's try something on, on something else, right? And just trying to cycle through ideas quickly because then that's where you're like, rather than mm-hmm. something taking you a month, it might take you two weeks. And like, that's what we all want to do is just sure. like make good, good stuff faster. Yeah. What about you, Al? <laughs> I think you always need new information yeah. coming in. Mm. Um, I watched a Keith Jarrett documentary to jump from Meshuggah to like sure improv jazz, uh, free jazz kind of stuff. And um, one thing that stuck with me, and I'm going to get the quote wrong, but one thing that stuck with me is that he claimed to not take inspiration from music. He took mm. inspiration from elsewhere than music. So like reading a book or like i guess like watching a great film or um looking at a a piece of visual art or like some somewhere else or just from i guess life experience in general but he his point that i got out of it was that like music can't truly inspire or like beget more music you have to have some like outside information um and i don't know if i fully 100 percent agree with that you know to a T, but um, if we're talking about like writing songs and producing and, and making new stuff, trying to innovate, trying to uh, to keep like things fresh and and keep uh, aiming for the truth, um, we need that influx of new outside information every time, right? So like if you have like one song that works. And you just rewrite that song over and over yeah. again and try to pull inspiration from that yeah. song, then it becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly that that's what you're doing and it gets it just doesn't get interesting, right? So if you can uh, expose yourself to more and different genres and, and artists and types of music and styles and all that stuff, you can pull stuff even subconsciously from those genres and that can be the influence on um, your music. Like, totally. I mean, it, just f- I mean, what we were just talking about, you mentioned Sum 41 a little bit ago. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a huge fan. But like their biggest song ever is like, a, their biggest song ever is a hip hop song. Like Fat Lip is a rap song. Yeah. Sure. With like yeah. rock underneath it. And that was kind of a time in music where that was like cool to do that or whatever. But like- It was new. If they were, if they were truly just- huge metalhead Iron Maiden fans and they were pulling everything from Iron Maiden and like you know you can't convince me that they weren't listening to like Beastie Boys and like other stuff like that or whatever but like if they were just if their influence was only that one lane you would not have you know gotten uh, you know the huge hit that they had so I think what you guys are saying about exposing yourself to to new and and other different uh, types of music is super important for all of of those uh, reasons yeah like um so like that it's a great point it's like um two things on that is like think of um like when we were growing up and i'm actually just starting to notice this now and i wasn't aware of it when i was a little younger was like i used to skateboard as a kid right like i skateboarded a lot Mm. from like grade six to like grade nine grade ten and then i started like you know sort of just got more into music but like skate culture was a huge influence with music right like music and skateboarding was like hand in hand like those tony hawk games like 
that was the first time oh, I ever heard yeah. like Rage Rage Against the Machine or heard um, Primus or like Goldfinger, you know, like Superman, that song. Like Man. I remember being a kid and being like, oh my God, this is like, this is me for like, and then like that was like growing up in the 90s and early 2000s, like that was, those were tied together. And those inspired each other, this sort of like ragtag, um, you know, loner type music. And it, it was really cool. And like, to build upon like taking inspiration from other things, like um, China and I went to the BAMP Center in November of last year. And that was like, if you guys ever get the chance to do that, like one million percent do it. Um, it like the application is pretty straightforward. Is. BAMP Center? So the BAMP Center is like, um, it's a government funded and privately funded center. There's like, there's a recording studio. There's like writing um, huts. <laughs> there what? is like um, different studios, and basically you go um, for uh, an amount of time, and you get your meals covered. You're staying in a hotel room, and your job is to write music. So there are pe- or practice. So we went for it was called like musicians in residence, and you can apply for financial aid. So pretty much everybody who applied for financial aid, who's, I believe you have to be Canadian to get it, but we all like, basically the whole trip was, um, pretty much covered and we got a grant as well, which we can touch after. But, um, so we went to BAMP for two weeks. I would say go for three or four if you can, but basically all we did was write music while we were there. And like, I don't know if you guys have ever done that just like two weeks, no cooking, no cleaning, just being in a creative space. It was almost like being back at Humber, but with like none of the like assignments and like people being like, oh, you need to play like yeah. this or like this is important. It was just like now you're an adult and you don't all care. The from my iPod. Yeah. Like you don't care what other people yeah. think. You're there to, to service your own project, whatever that is. Like there were people who, there were like two harp players. There was like a classical guitar player from Australia. There was like an oboist from New Zealand. It was crazy. Like there's a girl from New Zealand who was writing a virtual opera who was there. So it's like you're experiencing all these different people who come from such different um, genres and like uh, disciplines. So you're not like, you know, it's not like a bunch of producer songwriters who are kind of like weighing themselves against each other, which is like a thing, which is not necessarily bad. But it was just like going to Banff and like being creative for two weeks you, you, you would burn out. Like you would go for like six hours and you'd be like, nothing is happening. So what you do is like, you, there's like a mountain literally right beside the center. You like walk up a mountain and like, or go for a beer with a bunch of different musicians. Or like, um, there was like concerts that they would have once a week. So like, actually we were lucky. Lemon, Lemon Bucket Orchestra was playing while we were there. So we were able to see, I don't know if you know any of the guys in that band, but we have a couple buddies there in the band. So we were like hanging out with them and that was like a really great, um, experience to to do that and like a couple people sort of explained it as like output and input so if you are outputting energy and you're outputting creative material you need something inputting as well like what you were saying Al is like yeah. movies art reading like even just being outside and like seeing Banff and seeing the Rockies it was like my first time there so it's like this is the most amazing place and then going back and being like oh okay like the the juices started flowing again. So yeah, that's definitely yeah. Um, as as a creative person, like taking time off, experiencing different disciplines, experiencing different art. Like my mom is a painter, 
And um, it's been really cool because she sort of started, she took up painting seriously kind of like in her mid fifties. Like she always painted, like she's always, she was a graphic designer growing like for a profession. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she painted, but like, she like really sort of started diving into painting about say 10 years ago and seeing her journey through developing as a painter, like she's done now hundreds of paintings, seeing like how she's, you know, grown and like the risks that she's taking now in this different discipline and sort of walking that line together is really cool. Because it's like, you yeah. know, you've seen paintings of people who like maybe make a really realistic painting of a dog or whatever, but it's like, this like doesn't do anything for me versus you see this, like you see a painting where like someone's like, I don't give a fuck what you think. And it looks like that. You know what I mean? Like somehow you see it and you're like, yeah. damn, like <laughs> you don't care. And that comes across. Yeah. Right. And like, just like by, from learning from my mom, like being like, this is really cool. I don't want to care about what other people think more, you know? And like, that's just one example yeah. of taking from one discipline and bring it to another. You're just going to make like the best art for you. And if people fucking mm-hmm. like it, cool, cool beans. Yeah. Like, like artists <laughs> need to like, not give a shit and like take risks and push boundaries. And like, that's scary. Yeah. Cause I feel like as humans, we always mm-hmm. want to make people happy. And like, I'm like that. I'm like, you know, I'll go to a party. I'm just trying to, be friendly and make people laugh and smiley all the time. But like yeah. as an artist, you know, you don't want to be a happy meal. You want to like, you want to really dive deeper into what <laughs> is making people think. And right. So that's a good comparison. Happy meal. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> well, we've all, we've all like been a part what, of that. We've all like written be? happy meal songs. <sighs> good uh, question. I, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of what, what do you, comparison. what do you guys want to be? Al, Al, what would you be? A that's tuna a milk question. <laughs> Mm, yeah man <laughs> you don't want to like, be like a hot know. dog with ketchup and mustard mm. uh, that's good like a hot dog with ketchup I mean, and mustard is great too yeah I want to be like a parmesan uh, parmesan brick a parmesan reggiano man that should Ooh. last for years oh there you go you go through that real slow you know what I'm talking about a deep and delicious cake cheese connoisseur Katie made me throw out my brick of Parmesan because it was like three years old. And I'm like, it's still good. She's yeah, yeah. Like, you can't eat this anymore. This but, is not so, food. How's that? But <laughs> it's cheese, baby. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, um, I didn't know about that BAM thing. That is unreal. Like, I, it's I need really to cool. be more on top of that shit. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm so guilty of like just being a side guy, but I have these other urges. I just tuck them down, you know? Mm-hmm. I tuck them down yeah. deep. You know, creative and, the, and that, just, it's no time for that shit. Well, and, and like, that's, you know, that's a, that's something that I've totally, um, had to deal with as well. Like, um, yeah. especially with like, you know, so many of my friends, especially coming from Humber, it's like, that's what they do, right? Like, you know, you, you support an artist. I've seen lots of my friends play like really cool gigs, make good livings doing that. And like, it's, yeah. it's just like, it's kind of what Humber you know, not specifically, but like that's one of the things that Humber sort of pushes on its musicians is like you want to be able to do this, yeah. and it's like it's a, and, it's, and it's an extremely marketable skill, and it's like a, yes. you know rather than just relying on yourself, you're relying on the art, you know, of say ten people. Like you know, you guys probably play with more than ten artists a year, right? So you're like you've got. Mm-hmm different irons in the fire you have different things growing and like 
oh, this one artist um, is going on tour, so I've, I've got good pay for two months, and then when I come home, I can do some weddings, yeah. and then I can do that. You know, it's like, it's a, uh, it's, it's a way to make a living as a, as a musician, totally. And that's been something that I have had to, like, sort of go against for myself, like, because I did yeah. way more of that when I was younger, because I was like, this is what I should be doing, this is what my friends are doing. And, but slowly but surely, it's like, you know, if I want to have a shot of, being the artist that I want to be, like I need to put more of a priority on on spending the time rather than spending a week learning forty songs for a gig. Like spending a week on my own shit and getting that sounding good and, and getting my voice where it needs to be, right? And it's like, and it's hard because yeah. mm-hmm. it's like it's it's hard to say no to money or it's hard to say no to opportunities or like you never know where an artist can go. Like think of. Um, like, you know, Al, you and Mark went on, like, how many months did you tour last year? Like, with, uh, what was his name again? The, uh, the country singer mm-hmm. that you guys played with? David James. You guys, yeah, you guys yeah. were on the road for two or three months, right? Or maybe longer. And, like, that's really, that's good. Yeah, that's I think it was two legs. Finances. Yeah, maybe almost four months total, maybe? Like, three three to four months total over, over two legs. Yeah, with David James uh, yeah. opening for Aaron Prochette. So, yeah. So, DJ. It's an amazing time. Of course, right? Like yeah. and like by yeah. by focusing on your own stuff, you're missing out on opportunities in the hopes that other ones, you know, other doors open if you get to that level where you're making music that people want to listen to, right? So, it, it's it's I mean, you get to, it's 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 like you get to bring the experience you had on tour back to your own music too. So, it's like depending on how you're wired, you know, like like being on tour like that gets me fired up to come home and try to try to write music, right? And totally. like also for me, that was such a growing a growth experience on guitar uh, yeah. and vocally too, because like David's a a hell of a singer, so to keep up with him mm. as a backup vocalist, it was like I came back a better singer and a better player, and it's like cool now I can like use that to try to make new music rather than singing the same notes I've always sung and playing the same chords I've always played, right? So yeah. there's just so many different ways to, to, to do it and recognizing what's uh, what's going to work for you is obviously it's trial and error, but I think that you've got a great point in that you you do need to, to put that focus on yourself if it's really something that you want to do because it's very easy to keep pushing that off and being like, well, you know, I'm, I'm working on this person's project right now. I'll get to my stuff eventually. Oh, I'm doing this thing. I'll get yeah. to my stuff eventually. And it's like, if you don't set those, those deadlines, like we said right off the top, if you don't bring some accountability in, um, then, you know, your project will always be the other thing. And, totally. uh, it's gotta be the thing at some point. Otherwise you're gonna, you're gonna feel great you for sure. about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, it, it'll eat at you, and, like, it, it just, like, you know, it won't come to fruition. Like, you know, eventually, mm-hmm. you know, like, we all need to pay bills, and we need to, like, make a living, and, like, it it is possible to do that with your own stuff, but it's a lot harder, right, to get to that point. Yeah. Like, you know, think of mm-hmm. all the artists that you know who pay their own bills um, from their own music versus all the musicians who who like, you know, teach, who do the sessions and do that stuff. Like it's very, it's like, you know, there's not, a, it's like musicians versus like artists. It's like, there's way more people who are making a good living doing that. And it makes sense, right? Like yep. it's not yeah. nearly as risky either. 
Yes. Long term, I feel like the artist thing, like I was saying this to one artist, um, it, it pays off more. Like if you can get your own thing going, you know, like mm-hmm. there's a higher ceiling for success. Because, I mean, you can only play so many gigs a year. If I play two gigs a weekend and then maybe, you know, I pick up something where I'm doing something during the week that's not as common, I guarantee you, you can't make, you know, more than a yeah. certain amount. Unless you're doing like a play or something. And then, but like, sure, sure. That, that's it, you know? Uh, whereas an artist, you know, you can be working all, all the time, you know? If you get the, get it together. <laughs> it's just totally. And then, and that's, that's it. Like you, you have to get there. And I think that's the thing that yep. like is like the where most people get discouraged is like how long it takes to get there. And I'm still like on that yeah. journey. Like I'm not, I'm not there, but I'm like I'm working at it every day, and I'm trying. I'm trying to. <laughs> Hell no! <laughs> but like and like you saying that like the the ceiling thing is such a. It's such it's so accurate because it's like you know we we have buddies who tour with some of like the biggest artists in the world and like they make yep. good livings for sure and not to like at all say like what they're doing is not credible because it's like yeah you know they're they're playing in front of thousands of people but like you hear you know they're on a retainer for x amount of dollars and like that's the biggest artist in the world or like top 10 or whatever right like it's just yeah it's you know there are ways to get past that i guess like building your own business and i know a lot of guys do like um, their own Starting recordings, podcast. like se- session guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Podcasts and other stuff. But, you know, it's just like, it's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's lots of different routes that you can take. And it's just, I yeah. think a, a big thing is deciding what's right for you and then really working hard on that. And like, if it's being a, a, that a, damn thing, man. A, a great, a great lead guitar player, then like just spend a ton of time doing that. Right. But yes, definitely go to Banff. Yeah. You'll love it. I got to fucking do that. I've been to Banff before, but I just went for, Shits and giggles, you know, like fuck, got to do that retreat. Yeah, it's sweet. Or whatever it's the fuck sweet. it's called. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you know, you could go as a guitar player. Like you know, I I yeah. back up all these people. I want to I want to practice this thing, right? And then you're just there yeah, yeah, yeah. doing your own thing and meeting new people. And like a, a huge thing that I found from that was, um, you know, we're like you know we're in a, a Toronto bubble and like what like all of our experiences are quite similar as musicians in Toronto and this is how we do our thing and this is like what's expected in Toronto and then you meet people who are classical players from Ohio or like Australia or whatever and like their culture is so different musically and what what they care about is different and it's just like oh wow I didn't even realize I was in such a bubble and there's like so much other stuff out there that I'm not aware of the world is vast very vast (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, all right, well, we we got to let you go, Tom, because you've got to hit yeah, up the session. Yeah, I, I got a session pretty soon. A couple soon. minutes, do don't thing. you? Um, got to do that thing. So thank you so much for, for coming on. And, uh, I mean, that was great discussion uh, and, uh, and like, really great insight into, you know, your mindset. And, and, and I think there's a lot of great stuff to take away from that from people who have been wanting to uh, do their own thing or are doing their own thing and sort of – what you know your priorities are and I, I think those are very very valuable to uh to anybody mm-hmm. who's who's sort of in this uh, or even just like you know uh side guys as well just sort of making sure that you you know what what you want to be doing and uh and and how to grow at that so 
Thanks so much for coming on. Dude, oh, thanks for great. thanks for hanging. That was really fun. That's yeah. Go that's to Banff. Yeah. Go to Banff. Definitely. Anyone who has There's that opportunity, grants and shit do to be it. out there. There's money to be had via the government that isn't Serb. Hell yeah. Yeah. And right. And and it's uh it's yeah it's so beautiful out there. Like I'm sure Al, you've played out there, right? Like touring out there. I've been a, a, a couple of times, and my you and I went. That was the time. Both go at the same time? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. With, the, with crew. the BPM crew way back in the day. That was an amazing trip. <laughs> we were replacing um, the DJ yeah, in, think, in, in BC. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I yeah. think I've maybe done done a tour stop or two there, but anyways, it's so so amazing. Yeah, one of the one of so the beautiful. premier destinations in our, in our fine country. Uh, where can people find you, Tom, in terms of? Uh, uh, socials, anything you want to promote when it, if people want to know when your music's coming out and all that stuff? Yeah, so um, like I'm on Instagram, like at Tom Hanley Music. My website is TomHanleyMusic.com. That's like kind of my handle on everything. So I'm going to be putting out some music in the next few months and uh, I'm working on a lot of music right now. So that'll be following it. But I promise I'll be putting out music soon and, uh, and uh, check it out. Like hopefully you like it. I mean, that is, unless the world fucking ends even more than it currently is. <laughs> yeah, that and that yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, right on, man. All right. Well, um, thanks again for coming on. And uh, if you need to split, just just split, and we'll do our our sign off thing. Or okay, guys. Well, thanks so much for uh, having me on. I'll figure out how to turn this thing off. <laughs> I've never. It's good to see you guys, Tom. Yeah, good seeing you guys. Thanks, too. Tom. Right on. Uh, any closing thoughts before we get to our song of the week? I mean, it, the I, the fact that I didn't know that Banff, I, that's all I fucking talked about since this happened. Um, the fact that yeah. I didn't know that existed is kind of just like a example of like there there's there are definitely like opportunities and grants and all that shit out there that yeah. you know you're not going for. You're not taking. I know tons of artists that it's like they've never even applied for a grant, and it's like. You could get so much fucking money, or you could have that great opportunity of going to this place for free, you know, or for a very yeah. limited amount, you know. Um, and Tom's, uh, we we didn't have time to get into it, but yeah. Tom is incredibly resourceful when it comes to applying for those types of uh, yeah. um, assistance sort of programs for artists. So, um, just to name a few, there's there's Factor. That's one of the big ones that. Um, tends to apply more to artists that are already kind of off the ground and, and yeah. maybe have uh, uh, a few releases under their belt and stuff. But there are programs within Factor to help brand new artists as well. Uh, there's the Ontario Art- Arts Council, OAC, if you're uh, an Ontario resident here in Canada. There's the Toronto Arts Council, uh, if you're right in Toronto and you have a... Uh, uh, an M at the start of your postal code. That's the only way you can apply for that. Um, uh, don't you have an M at the start of your postal code, Al? I do now. I, I didn't yeah. uh, uh, a little while so ago. So the next album is going to be and, funded by the Toronto Arts Council. Yeah, we've, we'll, we've, we'll see. We've, we'll done see. It. we've decided I, already. <laughs> but worth um, definitely applying to these and, uh, and, and doing some research on them because it can be a great way to uh, not Even only if you're not in Canada too. finance your... Yeah, and I mean, there's going to be ones that apply. It's in the country's best uh, interest whatever, to whatever region you're in. Have this, uh, shit. but you know, not not only to fund the the project, but it actually forces you to do a little bit of thinking and planning because they the the grant uh, givers want to see 
you know, what your plan is uh, for, you know, even just getting things in place like the studio you're going to record at, the engineer you're going to use, the well, my band plan members is to you're going to use, how many songs. Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, and then promote and then promotion, because few people think about, you know, promotion while they're thinking about making the actual records. So it's like, well, what are, what are we going to do with this? What are what are some goals that we can set? So yeah. um, really, really great stuff to to dive into. I'm not an expert on it. Me neither. Um, but eventually we'll get an episode together on, on how to we do should. all that stuff. We should. So thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it each and every week. If you want to support the show, just go ahead and share it with your friends. Let them know about it. Let them know there's a cool podcast about the music biz. Uh, and uh, let them know where they can find it, which is musicguypodcast.com. Also on Instagram and YouTube at musicguypodcast. You can find myself at Al Rowe Music on any of the social media platforms that you like to use, except for TikTok, because I don't understand it because I'm old. And uh, Mr. <sighs> Michael Hebs at Bruno the Meek on Instagram. And uh, Hebs underscore Michael on Twitter. Fuck yeah. Uh, so we're going to feature our song of the week. And uh, if you would like to be the song of the week, just uh, send us an MP3 to musicguypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know a little bit about the tune. If we uh, think it's cool, then we'll give it a spin at the end of the episode. This one comes from friend of the show, uh, who we've been trying to get on, actually, for some time now. He's a busy Self-made boy. artist, much like um, Tom, who's just on here. Mr. Chris Barclay. This is his current single, At Radio. It's called 360. You can find uh, out about Chris at uh, chrisbarclay.com, I'm assuming. Um, and uh, his so? name is spelled K-R-I-S-B-A-R-C-L-A-Y. And we'll include and that's everything actually in actually how his name was spelled. Uh, like he didn't change it to be an artist, you know? Right. That's it's actually real name. Yeah, K-R-I-S. Yeah. Chris with a K? Yeah. It's Greek? Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think you might be right. So, uh, without any further ado, here's 360. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you all next week. Bye for now. She could be hair up or hair down. She could be dressed up or all dressed down. Hair for dance around the kitchen, tearing up a dance floor. You get that girl spinning, boy, say no more. Yeah, she's a 360 all the way around. Yeah, that's how she rolls. Can't believe I found her. Smart and funny, got made her sweeter than honey. So beautiful from her head to her toe. My baby, she's a 360. Got me straight up, tongue tied. She got me staring, no, I can't lie. She got every angle coming, north, east, south, and west. Everything about her got me a mess. Yeah, she's a 360 all the way around. Yeah, that's how she rolls. Can't believe I found her. Smart and her funny, got made her sweeter than honey. So beautiful from her head to her toe. She's a 360 All the way around, all the way around Baby, girl, just look 
Three.